Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out this week's episode of the One Man Podcast. It's always free and available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many more, as well as on the web at onemanpodcast.com. So please, whatever platform you're listening on, like and subscribe. Uh, while you're at it, give it a rating, leave a review. Why? Because it helps the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. How about that? What about social media? Search One Man Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's going on there. Get a little extra content for yourself. And finally, to get in touch, please send your emails to contact at onemanpodcast.com. You send it, I read it on the podcast, that's the deal. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 182 for Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. How is it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? Are you having a great time in your life? Are you having a good day? Uh, Recording this Tuesday evening, so don't know anything about the U.S. election. I know that a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen down there. It's going to take some time for them to count all those votes and whatnot. I don't have anything to say. Excuse me, Jesus. Every time I start the podcast, I get hiccups out of nowhere. I don't know where. Don't have anything to say about it. We'll find out the results. I will talk about it on the next episode. But in the meantime, 182, guys. Episode 182. Only a handful, if you will. I mean, I guess if you have huge hands. But we're getting close to episode number 200. 200 weeks. My simple podcast started in 2017. All the way to 2020. You know, we had a good run there where none of them were late. And then I started being late very frequently. But you know what? This episode is back out on time, available for you guys, and we got lots to talk about. I uh, just spent the last weekend in Kingston, headlining some shows. I did, uh, started watching the Comedy Store documentary, uh, went and I did some writing. Uh, What else? I was reading that Behind the Horror book more, more of the stories from that. Super creepy. I had some more of the Mexican and American candy that Angie had sent me, so a couple little reviews on that. Uh, I'll tell you guys a funny story about a podcast I did. For some reason, I feel like I've already told you guys this, but you know what? I haven't told a ton of people. So if I've already told it, well, hey, anyone who's new to the podcast, you get a chance to talk about some new shows that I'm watching too. Our internet went out of here at the house. And uh, yeah, and that's about... uh, that's about her. Then we'll ride off into the sunset. How about that? Sound really good? Got a couple book, couple, couple, two of them to review for you guys this week. Um, so let's uh, let's get started. I went to Kingston this week to do shows. So thank you very much for anyone uh, who uh, you know listened to the podcast and came out to the shows. Really appreciate you being there. Um, I had a good time. I had a I. <sighs> The week was labored. I was there with two great comics, Ernie Vicente and uh, and R- Ricardo Mejitas from uh, Toronto. Both great dudes. We got to hang out all week. We watched stuff together. So a lot of this, I'll be telling you that, you know, spent some time with these guys. We had a good time. Um, two great comics. Um, the first night that I was there, I had uh, had a bit of an issue with a heckler. And I don't even want to tell this story. I don't want to put it out there because I'm headed back there this week. And I really just, I kind of just wanted to let it go, but it was a big part of my week. So let's just, I'll tell you what, I'm going to really, really short Coles knows it. Coles notes it. Um, the heckler in the crowd was, was a, was a problem when I was on stage. And I was, I was headlining this last week. It was a big problem when I was on stage. Um, but he was also a problem earlier in the show too. So the thing was sometimes with hecklers guys, you have, uh, somebody who just, they're not like, 
when you think of a heckler, it's funny because a lot of audience members are like, I don't want to get heckled. Well, heckling is an audience member attempting to disrupt the performance. So this is something that bothers comics because audience members are like, I don't want to get heckled. You're not capable of being heckled because you're not performing. Heckling is something an audience does to mess up a performance. That's what heckling really is. I know what people, we all know what people mean when they say it, but it's just, it's just using a word incorrectly really. And it's, you know, to anybody who's, you know, fond of language, it's like, well, it's impossible for you to get heckled. So don't worry, audience member. But the thing is, sometimes we call a heckler someone who's like yelling shit out and, and they're not really trying to disturb the performance. They just want to be a part of it, but they, there's, they're drunk and they don't get that. It's not, it's not wanted. Um, you know, and a lot of them are like, well, I'm, I'm helping the show. Like I'm making it better. It's like, well, no, you're really not. You're distracting the comic. So he can't get on with what it is that he wants to do unless he's directly asking you a question, which I'm, I'm known to do. I'm known to talk to crowds and things like that. But this was particularly weird. Um, because it was like, he was just, he was a nice guy, but he wouldn't stop yelling out during the show. And, um, short version of the story, he should have been gone long before I even got to the stage. I'm the headliner. I'm closing the show. Um, instead he was still there when I got on stage and if I tried to talk to anybody else or even tell a joke, he would like yell something out to the attention was on him. So as a performer, I'm like, okay, this guy won't let anything be unless he feels like he's directly involved in it. So what I had to do was I had to adjust my performance to, to basically like try to make every lead into a joke. Like I was talking to him. So I was like, Hey, you know, Hey Mark, um, you know, have you ever had a sleep test or anything like that? And they're like, yeah, I got apnea, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, well, I had to go for a sleep test. And I, and then I went into a 10 minute long bit, but because he thinks I'm talking to him, he's not yelling back and forth or whatever. But anytime I would talk to another couple or, or another group of tables, like, Hey guys, how do you guys know each other? Whatever. Blah, 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 like yell something out. And the thing is I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm I'm not the doorman and I'm not, I'm on stage. Like there was even one point where he just kept interrupting other people so much. I had to stop and go like, okay, Mark, like what do you, what is it that you need from this audience, dude? You know what I mean? Like I, I just, if you need attention or something, like just tell me what you need, buddy, we'll give it to you. And then we can move on with the show, you know? And still no doorman came to take this guy out, which is fine. I wasn't standing there going, where the fuck are the doorman? But I'm just like, I'm trying to deal with the situation. And what ended up happening was um, when the show was over and I think it went okay, it, I certainly wasn't proud of it. It was also my first time doing 40 minutes. It was my third time on stage since January and it was my first time doing 40 minutes. The other two were like a couple little guest spots at Absolute Comedy. So I was like, I was rusty, no question. And it's not a performance that I'm super proud of because it was difficult. I'm, I'm constantly getting derailed by this heckler. So I was like, all right. So I come off stage at the end of the show and I'm like, fuck, that was, that was rough. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying to myself. And I sit down with the other comics in the back and I'm like, well, I look like, I know what I'm working on this week in terms of like what bits and stuff like that. And somebody from the staff, um, got in my face and was like, you handcuffed the doorman. What you should never have talked to that guy. When you talk to him, you know, they can't do their job and you handcuffed them. You know, he should have been gone a long time ago, but you spent half your time talking. To and it was just like, and I'm, I'm not yelling because people sleeping right now, but this person was like aggressive and in my face. And I was just like, wow, wow. Like I was, I, I was really pissed off about it. I was really pissed off about it. Um, I didn't argue with this person. I was just like, that's not true. Like, this, like the, my initial need to I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't, I had no choice but to talk to him. I, anyways, this person wouldn't hear anything I had to say was, I just went, okay. And then they, they walked away. So I left 
uh, I was really upset. I wasn't, you know, not like, <laughs> but I was inside. I was like, what the fuck? And I probably bothered the shit out of Ernie and Ricardo that night. Um, just like, can you guys fucking believe that? Like, that's crazy. Like Ernie, the host had even said at one point on stage, like, okay, guys, security, can we get this guy's bill and see you later? And then nothing happened. Right. So they didn't do this. So here's the thing about, about comedy crowds and stuff like that is that a lot of times, like you can tell who's going to be a problem. They come in, they're drinking lots, getting lots of drinks before the show even starts. And they start yelling things out. And it's like, these are all warning signs to a doorman, which I have been in the past in a comedy club that like this guy needs to go. And I, again, I'm, I'm not like trying to eat their lunch for not kicking the guy out. I'm just, I was so, so frustrated and hurt that I was blamed for how things went because uh, like they're basically saying we couldn't kick because because is what happens at a comedy club when when uh for starters people get drunk all the time at comedy clubs and when you're drunk you're not exactly the most reasonable just overall for the most part especially the people who are yelling out because they're the ones that need to get shushed so what happens is you get like you get guys who will yell stuff out or you'll get girls who are talking way too loud at the table. And comedy clubs are designed to carry sound. So we have small ceilings, things like that. So people be like, you know, they'll, ha ha ha, oh my God, Stacey, you're just like that every time, every time. But in a room, like, you know, just even little comments like that, you don't think you're doing anything. But when you talk after everything, like we say, and they're just commenting everything, like as a doorman, I've, I've had to go over a hundred times and go, hey guys, I just need you to whisper, okay? You're allowed to talk. You're allowed to talk, but you have to whisper. You can't talk like this in the room because the, the sound carries. We're not even talking. We're just laughing. I'm like, you're not even whispering right now. I'm whispering. You're talking. So you, the room's just built for sound. It really carries. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. And then they give you attitude. So as far as the customer's concerned, they're always the victim. Um, you know, we're we're hurting them. You know, we're being rude to them because they're not doing anything. They're just laughing. And I, and I've even, I've, I've even said in the past, someone who's like, like, I've literally walked up to their table afterwards and repeated the last two sentences they said, they're just laughing. And I go, really? You laugh in complete sentences. I go, you're not laughing. I heard you from across the room. I go, I don't want to kick you out. I want you to have a good time, but I need you to stop talking. Or if you're going to talk, whisper so we can't hear you. It's the tone in your voice that carries not whispering. Okay, guys, please. So a lot of the times I could get people to settle down because I, I didn't come at them and yet we, have, but we have also have shit doormen at absolute. We do we, a lot of the doormen, like they'll walk over to people, Gosh, no talking, no talking. And then they walk away. Basically two of our doormen will do nothing but stir up the audience. Basically like they get antagonistic with them and then run away and tell someone else. Oh, so they're going to need to get kicked out. They're not listening to me. It's like, I've watched them do a piss poor job and then, and then make someone else deal with it. And when I worked there, that was me. Someone else would, would stir the pot and then I would have to go and be, you know, sorry guys. And I understand my colleagues didn't do it very, so like basically you're getting someone who's already pissed off instead of being able to diffuse the situation properly. Um, in fact, I've seen the doormen have done such a shitty job that actually like if I'm on shows like hosting and something like that, um, I've seen the doorman like walk around like, guys, phone's off the table and then walk away. And it's like, you're not explaining it to them. So I'll walk over and I, I've already been like, you know, hosting or whatever. So they've seen me on stage. They know I'm a comic. And I go, sorry guys, they're not, they're not trying to be a dick. It's just that believe it or not, when I'm on stage, I can actually see the lights from your phones and it's kind of distracting. So it's not personal. It's just, it's just for the performance. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And if you take that two seconds to explain to them properly why 
you know, but our guys don't do that. They're just guys, phones off the table. Get off, get them off, get them off, put them away. You know what I mean? Like, so you just, you feel like a child. They don't talk to people with dignity and respect. They talk to them like a child. And every doorman, let's 80 to 90% of the doorman at Absolute Comedies, whether it's Kingston, Ottawa, Toronto, are all like these little dorks that have no social skills. I, it's almost like it's a part of the job. Like if you do well in the interview, they're like, yeah, sir, it's not going to work. We're going to need someone who's really bad at communicating, especially under strenuous and tense situations. Um, so anyways, you know, the doormen almost never do their jobs in any of the Absolute Comedies in terms of shushing members because they're always small guys, Right. Anywhere else, you go to a nightclub or something, doorman, you don't fuck around. If it's time to go, it's fucking time to go. You don't get six chances. So anyways, so the idea is that these guys should have removed this person. I don't, I'm not losing my mind. I didn't, and I didn't come off stage looking to point my finger at anybody, but I think the thing was I got off stage and people, I guess, were already complaining that the guy was yelling stuff out or whatever. And... I don't, I really don't know. I, you know what? And I'm not even going to hear, sit here and hypothesize. All I know is I was pissed off that they tried to say that because I spoke to that guy, they couldn't kick him out. Cause the truth is sometimes tables get chatty and a comic may talk to someone who's yelling out. And the idea is that he's trying to handle the situation. He's not trying to keep the guy talking. He's trying to handle the situation, get him whatever it is that he needs out of his system and then move on. Hey man, is it cool? You know, Hey guy, buddy. You know, shut up, like try to, try to make it funny, but it, get the message across. And the idea is that I went out there, I started doing my thing. He was immediately yelling out. There's nothing I could do. The reason they were pissed off is they were saying, well, the whole room was chatting and the doorman couldn't kick, couldn't, couldn't shush anyone because you're already talking to one guy. And it's not fair that, you know, this guy's allowed to talk and they're not. And I go, yeah, I can understand the perception. I've been a doorman, but you weren't shushing that guy. You weren't getting him out of the room and he kept yelling out. There's nothing I can do. If he's going to keep yelling out, I can't just pretend it's not happening. It's not my fault. He should have been gone before I even got to the stage. The problem is, is the doorman didn't do their job. And that's, that's just unfortunately the truth. And because they didn't do their job, this guy was still there when I got on, he started yelling at me. And unfortunately he, they still didn't get him out when I was on stage and I had no choice, but to try to deal with this situation myself. And the funny thing is that to come off stage and instead of them, like I didn't come off stage and go, Hey, thanks guys for like making me struggle the whole fucking act because of the fact that this guy's still in the room. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do that. I didn't come off stage pointing fingers at anybody, but I came off stage and I was told that, that the, because I talked to him, he was stuck there. They had nothing they could do and they couldn't do their jobs. And it was all my fault. And I was, I was so, I was so angry because it was so unfair it was so unfair, like zero accountability on the staff's part. And the thing too, is like, I have the recording. I recorded the whole thing. So I was told that I spent 20 minutes talking to the guy, which isn't true. I was told that I only talked to him, which isn't true. And I was told that I couldn't, they couldn't do their jobs because I had spoken to him. That's not true. Ernie, the host had to keep talking to him and telling him, what do you want, buddy? Like, you know, he would try to do something and the guy would yell out. And it was just like, at no point did the doorman kick this guy out. But it pissed me off that I got blamed for it. And then of course I get a text message the next day. Don't talk to the audience. I did a show Friday night and there was a table that would, you know, yell shit out periodically and I would respond to them. And then I was told after the show, oh, that was fine. I even went up and said, was that okay? Cause like, you know, these guys were yelling out. Yeah, that was fine. Like no big deal. I'm like, really? Cause it was a big deal two days ago. According, you know, according to you was two, two days ago is a completely different situation, you know? And I tried to like confront it like professionally, I, I never got it. Like I never made any insults or anything, but it was just like, it pissed me off because 
two scenarios that were almost identical. Um, but one of them was totally fine. One of them was not. And I think the only reason is because the one that was, was fine was, you know, nobody complained and these guys didn't heckle that much, but I was just like, I, I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm going back there this week to host and I'm the things didn't end off good with that person. Like we never found a resolution. It was kind of like two people throwing their hands up in the air. It's like, I still have respect the shit out of this person. Um, I just don't think they understand the situation. You know what I mean? So instead of being like, Hey, sorry, I know you were in a tough situation and it was really, we couldn't get, you know, because the guy kept yelling out because, you know, when he did, you would address it. It, we couldn't find that. We had a hard time finding that right moment to get in there and get him out. And because he was there the whole time we had other tables talking and it was difficult for them to understand. And I would have said, yeah, no, I, I get it. And it's, it was just a tough situation for all of us. No one's really to blame. Just sometimes that shit happens. But I just, I was so. I was so, I was hurt because I take my job seriously. I, I, you know, not every joke I do lands or whatever. And like I said, I, at no point did I defend the set and say, oh, it was one of my best sets and I did great. It was like, no, it was a struggle and it, it was hard work. And that guy yelling out constantly made it even harder. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was a rough night, but, um, I just thought it was fucked up that I came off stage. I was left to deal with it because nobody on the staff side did anything about it. And then to turn around and be like, it's all your fault. I felt like that was their way of washing their hands of the situation and trying to be like, oh, it wasn't our fault. It was Josh's fault. And I've dealt with hundreds, if not thousands of hecklers over the years. And I've never been blamed by the establishment afterwards for their inability to get a heckler out of the room. It isn't the comics job on stage to do your doormanning for you. So anyways, that pissed me off guys. It was, it was a bad taste in my mouth the whole week. Um, it's still not completely resolved though. I would imagine it'll just go away with time. Um, but you know, and this is, like I said, somebody I do have a lot of respect for. I just, I was really taken aback and, and surprised because, you know, instead, and like, it, it was kind of like, we didn't have, we, we didn't talk about it. You know, we didn't try to like come up with some common ground. I was just, I was just told it was all my fault. This person was in my face aggressive about it. And then turned around and sent me a text message the next day telling me like, don't do this. Like I said, like just repeating their position. And I just went, okay. And so the next time I saw them, I, you know, did my show and it went great. And it was like, okay, well the exact same thing happened. I had table yelling out and I talked to them. They're like, yeah, it was fine. Everything was great about that. It's like, okay. Cause that's the exact same thing the night before yet one night it's fine. Then the other night it's the most detrimental thing in the world. And it's the same situation. So you tell me, you know what I mean? In fact, the, the situation where I spoke to them the, the second time, the one that was like, Oh, that was great. It was fine. That situation, they started heckling while well, they were talking a little bit beforehand, but they started talking the most when I was on stage. So like, if anything to blame the comic would be like, well, they were good for everyone else and they were disruptive for you, you know, then you might go like, oh, well, maybe they were starting to drink later or whatever it is. But, but the truth is to be like, no, that's, that's fine. Like that would be where you could blame me. They weren't heckling until you got on stage and you were the only one to talk to them and we can't talk, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's crazy. And like I said about, about crowd control is like, if you're a doorman, you're telling a crowd like, Hey, you guys got to stop talking. I was like, well, that guy's yelling out. How come he's allowed to yell? It's like, well, he's not allowed to yell out. You know what I mean? But if the comic, if the comic asks you a question, you're allowed to answer it, of course, but you can't just start yelling shit out and you can't just start talking at your table. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, there's, there's certain rules to it and we're not picking on you, 
but that's the thing, right? That, so, I, like I said, I, I just don't think that the whole show went well, and I and I and I think that a lot of us were frustrated. I'm, I'm giving this person the benefit of the doubt too, because I know they care about the place just like I do. So I I don't know if it was just like oh it just went bad and they're having a hard time like wearing it. You know, when we chatted the second time, she went to bats for like oh the doormen were very upset, and it's like well. I, yeah, I, I understand them being upset, but they could have kicked this guy out. If it, if like, that's the biggest thing, right? If you're, if your argument is that you couldn't kick him out because I was talking to him, why was he still in the room 50 minutes after the show had started? He's yelling out constantly. The host has said, Hey, security, come on, let's get him out of here. You know what I mean? So if all that happens and you know, you guys don't do anything and then I'm on stage and he's still yelling out. You haven't done your job. You haven't given me the, no, she's like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll help you. You know, we'll let, let the doorman do their job and, and, you know, you don't have to get involved. Well, the doorman didn't do their job. That's the sad thing about it. It's, and it shit happens and I'm not trying to give them any flack, but don't turn around and take their shortcomings and tell me that it's my fault. Anyways, I've, I've pff, 20 minutes in. This is all I've talked about. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it definitely, it definitely pissed me off it it uh just because it was unfair you know like i i've actually worked real hard in the last few years on taking accountability for my mistakes and and it sat with me i had a hard time sleeping the first night i was trying to figure out like am i not seeing this right like what could i do but it would just every road went back to you know it, it's not my fault you know like if you're saying that i prefer, like the the thing was saying that i the biggest thing was saying we couldn't do you made it so we couldn't do our job and i'm like look you had an almost an hour to do your job and you didn't what's the excuse there right did you didn't blame the host for talking to the guy you didn't blame anybody else you blamed me and thank god for you that i actually spoke to him because if i had done what the other acts did which was like try to ignore him but can't he would have just kept yelling out but i actually adjusted my strategy to be like, hey, have you ever heard of this to the guy? And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you. And I would just, I would go in the drop. And he, he wouldn't yell out because I basically learned that if you make the heckler think that you're talking to them and they're a part of it, they let you talk. But as soon as it doesn't feel like the attention's on them, that's when they got to get the attention again. Anyways, so I did that. That was the thing I did. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ernie, Ricardo, and myself, we watched the Comedy Store documentary. It's a Showtime thing. Um, really good. I got to, to visit the comedy store in Los Angeles, uh, in 2018. Um, and it was a, such a cool place. There's so much history in that building. The best in the world have performed there many occasions. It's the, the, the home club home base for so many huge names, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Howie Mandel. Um, so many guys got discovered on for, for the tonight show with Johnny Carson from there. Uh, Sam Kinison, um, who else? Uh, Freddie Prince was another big one from the store, uh, obviously owned by, uh, by Mitzi Shore. She died a few years ago. Um, but yeah, a really good documentary. We watched it on Crave TV and it's just called the comedy store. Uh, it's five episodes long. The last one just came out a couple nights ago. Um, I've only watched three of them so far, but such a good documentary series teaches you a lot about comedy and, and, and standups and things like that. But like, Endless. Michael Keaton was a stand-up comic. Do you guys know that? I didn't know that. Michael Keaton, Batman, fucking the founder, two two very <laughs> different movies, Beetlejuice, all that stuff. He actually started as a stand-up comic. He's in the Comedy Store documentary. David Letterman is in it. Jay Leno is in it. Like so many big names. Uh pff, Damon Wayans, uh, Eddie Griffin, Martin Lawrence, uh, Chris Rock. Um, I don't know if I've seen Dave Chappelle on it yet. I don't think I did. Um, Bill Burr's in it, Pert Kreischer, uh, Bobby Lee, 
uh, Joe Rogan, uh, Whitney Cummings, Liza Schlesinger, like so many people are in this fucking documentary. Anyways, the comedy store documentary, very, very good. I'm only three deep. I'll maybe touch base on that one a little more in the future when I actually finish the last three episodes, but we watched a lot of that. I watched actually three episodes that I was getting ready to pack, uh, for Kingston. And then I, uh, I, I ended up like, I was like, Hey guys, if you want, I'm, I'm at the fourth episode, but I'll, I'll, you know, if I'll watch the other ones with you guys, if you want to catch up. And we ended up just doing like one episode a night, uh, after the shows before bed, but man, was that a good documentary series? Just talking about all the different people that went through there and the kind of like the strike and the names like Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison and some of the other people that were there. And, uh, just kind of like the, or they had Mark Marin, of course, Louis CK, um, also in it, um, just unbelievable. Uh, for, uh, Johnny, uh, Jimmy Walker, sorry, Johnny Walker, Jimmy Walker, dynamite. He's, uh, he's in it as well. Um, what a great documentary guys. Watch it. Watch it. If you have crave TV with the HBO, I think you need the HBO package on it to, to watch it, but it's a showtime documentary called the comedy store. All right. I also went to Costco there and just bought some basic shit. I brought a bunch of food with me. So I'm like, I can just do lots of cooking here. I barely, I don't think I ate out there once. I, I'm actually pretty certain shy of eating at the club, but I'm fairly certain I did not eat there once. Um, I did get a haircut by usual. I went in there and of course, because Ottawa's, um, a hot zone. One of the questions, like when I went to the, the haircut places, like does, have you been to Toronto or Ottawa? And I'm like, yes. And it changed nothing. They weren't like, Oh, Ottawa, huh? Like they didn't care. They're just like, okay, you, you answer. It's just like the question. It's like a formality. Um, so I sat there, got a haircut. The guy took a little too much off the beard. Um, I don't know what's going on lately. I used to think when people bitched about their barber, they were just being pricks. Like I'm like, Hey, your hair looks fine. But I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, I, I want a certain thing. I'm showing them pictures of me, not like of somebody else. I'm not like, give me long flowing locks. Like, you know, Brad Pitt or something. I don't know who the fuck has long flowing locks, but you know, I'm, I'm not like, Hey, make me look like Ryan Goslin with hair alone and less of it. Like I, I'm here's a picture of me. Make me look like this, that you guys did here at this exact same place. Can you do this? Absolutely. And then when I leave with looks, I don't want to say totally different, but vastly different. And it's almost like, like what the fuck? And I'm noticing that I'm like, I'm like a lot of places. I went to a new place in Ottawa. I went to a new place in Kingston. I went to a new place in Toronto. Um, I've been to some other places and it's just like, Hey, here's a picture of me. Like, you know, absolutely. I told you guys, sorry, start. It's late at night and I want to make sure I got this out. So it's available for you Wednesday morning. But, um, I just remember, uh, the, there was a woman at the same place where I showed her like my beard kind of like, Hey, can you kind of like angle it downwards? So it kind of looks long in the front gives more of a, of a, you know, the long, narrow look to the face. I'm fat. I got to fucking deal with some shit here. Some, some little bit of fucking hocus pocus here. Make my face look longer. And, um, she's like, absolutely. And then like minutes, not even minutes later puts the, just a guide on the thing and literally runs it all over my face. Like one size all of my face, not tapered downwards. Like I asked literally, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then just takes the thing and then buzzes my whole face. And it's just uniform. Nothing you can do with it. Now it's too short. And it's like, okay, does anybody listen anymore? Again, you need a license for this. I remember old barbers when you didn't could, could you say, I, I want this? They go, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. Now they can't now they now they have no fucking idea what they're doing. So I showed this guy, excuse me, a picture of me. I'm also drinking coffee. And I'm not waking up. Um, I showed a guy a picture of uh, 
what was it? like I said, like a picture of me with longer fit and he shaved the beard. So, so far down. It's like, he almost entirely shaved my beard off on my, on my, you know, where my jaw curves behind around my ear. You know what I mean? The, the back of the jaws. So like there towards like halfway down my cheek, there's like no hair, no beard at all. And then my beard like slowly starts to come back in. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Now that's what it looked like with my glasses off with my glasses back on. It looked a little better. Cause I guess my hair, my beard hair is, is gray. I'm going gray. So towards the back of my jaw, it's, it's gray beard hair. And it's, uh, sorry, try to stifle the yawn. Can't do it. Can't do it. Once I start. Just keeps fucking going. Apologies. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it, it It's gray, so it looks almost the same color as the skin. So it just, it looked like it was gone, but it's just so short that it blends perfectly with the skin and the white hair. So I was like, all right, whatever. That that kind of sucked. So I'm going to ask this. I, I, I would love for you guys to email me in. Contact at onemenpodcast.com. I would love to know. And here's the thing. I just want to, I just take a second. Why not content? I'm just going to bitch. This might be a bitch episode and I'm sorry. I thought it was going to be more fun. I got other fun. I got what I think fun things to talk to you guys about. Um, I, uh, I get messages from you guys, which I appreciate. I got listeners who will message me on Facebook or text me or email. Well, actually I don't really get emails, but sometimes I get, you know, an email to like a regular inbox, whatever, not the one man podcast email. And I, I can't look through all my shit and find all the different messages, whatever. I would love to get an email from you guys. So are any of you out there where you've gotten hit this patch in life where, you know, you, you were fine with haircuts and you had to make a switch and you just couldn't find someone who could fucking do it the way you wanted it. What was your solution? What did you do? Did you just eventually have to go, I'm just going to get the haircut that, that I get, you know, I, I just find it interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a service that's getting infinitely more expensive. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm $60. The last place I went to New York, New York, the guy did a nice job, but it wasn't what I asked for. You know what I mean? He's more of like a hip dude or whatever. In fact, I even ran into him like last week at uh, Costco, but did a nice job. It's just not what I had asked for. And it's fucking, it's a $50 haircut. And I tipped 10 bucks and it's $60. And the way he cuts it, he's like, you got to come in once a month for this. Like just to keep it like this, you got to come in once a month. So 60 fucking dollars a month. And I have like no hair. I have like no fucking hair. So I don't know what we're cutting every month, but so I, that's why I'm like, okay, I'm going to Kingston. I'm going to go get my hair cut and, and whatever it is. So is what it is. Um, writing, did some writing guys. I, uh, that I, I did a, how much to suck a cock bit, nothing special there, but I also talked about, uh, what we talked about here in the podcast, Chad, Chad, giving the old bangerang to his best friend's mom, um, I talked about that on stage and it worked. I did a lot of writing while I was there. I didn't bring uh, anything, you know, electronic gaming or anything like that. I just was like, I'm going to do writing during the day. And I managed to get some new shit out and I, I recorded the bits and I listened to them. And then I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm, I'm back to writing and back to being a comic in that regard. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I spent a lot of time at the condo reading too. I really enjoyed reading, uh, the behind the horror book. So when I reviewed it, I had read a few of the stories in it and liked them. Um, and I went back to reading it because of course, Halloween in the season, I was like, okay, this is killing me. Come on, body fucking figure it out. Okay. I know we're talking a lot, but it's, it's fucking nine o'clock. All right. It's no reason to be like, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Wake the fuck up. All right, we got a job to do. We're sitting here. We're talking to our friends, our listeners, our onesies. All right, 
And the ones that communicate with me have told me on many occasions, I start yawning, they start yawning. And I'm not trying to put you to sleep. All right? So let's do a deep breath. One more big yawn. Ah, hands in the air like a roller coaster. Woo! All right, that yawn is out. Slap, 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 slap. And the face, okay, we are awake. We are awake. Next yawn in three, two, no, I'm kidding. So I'm reading the Behind the Horror book and I started reading about The Exorcist. Um, I read about uh, a few different killers, like uh, the early parts of the book about things like the movie Rope and stuff like that. And they talk about pairs of boys who were good friends and things like that. And, you know, one of them was infatuated with the other. So he, you know, agreed to like help him. Like these two guys thought they were geniuses because they had such high IQs and they're like, well, to prove their genius, they would have to, they'd have to be able to outsmart, you know, the police with a murder or something like that. That was like one story for the the movie rope. So the idea with like the book is really cool because like, for example, Jaws, all right, Jaws is one of the, the movies that they feature in behind the horror. And it says that the movie Jaws was based on, and then it tells you like three different happenings. So they tell you that it was based on the New Jersey shark attacks from 1916, which happened, uh, or sorry, they call it not New Jersey, the Jersey shore shark attacks is what they call it. So right in that Jersey shore area, they had, uh, in 1916, it was almost the same as the, the book, sorry, the movie where, uh, there was staff members for a resort. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> sorry for yawning. Sorry for swearing. A couple of things. Um, yeah, there was a resort where a staff member went out and was like attacked by a shark. Somebody else saw something in the water and was attacked. And it was almost the same as the movie where it was like, people said, we need to shut down the beach because people are getting attacked. And they're like, no, are you kidding me? You know how much tourism we get? So didn't end up doing that. And then, uh, not long afterwards, there was a small canal that led to Matawan, I believe it was called New York or New Jersey. I don't remember. I think it was New York, but this was like two miles inland from the ocean, but it was like a water canal that like went up or whatever. And this guy's coming back on a boat one day and he looks into the water and he sees a big black object swimming up this, like up towards like this little pond lake thing, you know, in town. And he's like, oh my God. And he gets out of his boat and he runs up and he calls into town and says, there's a shark headed up, up the river to the pad. And everyone's like, ah, you're crazy. There's no sharks. Yada, 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 yada. And sure enough, just like the movie, right? Nobody listens. And then a bunch of little boys that were swimming got, got attacked and eaten by, by a shark. And then some townsfolks tried to go in and find their bodies and they got attacked and eaten by sharks. So it was like a bunch of people. It was like four people from the town, uh, were attacked by the shark and only one lived. Um, but it was almost like that pond scene from, I think it was the second jaws. I could be wrong, but I think it was the second jaws where, you know, there's the shark attacking the beach and like, Oh my God, where's Michael? Where's Michael? It's like, Oh, it's okay. He's over playing in the pond. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's not in the ocean or whatever it is, but then the shark swims into the pond and fucking eats that dude in the boat. So, it's uh, a lot of stuff in the jaw. So anyways, the three stories, Jer uh, Jersey Shore shark attack uh, was one of the inspirations for Jaws. Then there was the USS Indianapolis, of course, right? This story of the, uh, the vessel that was delivering the uranium to create the bomb for Hiroshima. Uh, I don't think it was the Nagasaki bomb. I think it was Hiroshima uh, or Hiroshima, however you say it. And on their way back, they were headed to, I think it was the Philippines to get supplies and maybe change crew. And the Japanese sub shot it, sunk it. And I think 1200 people were on the ship. Um, 
and only 900 actually made it off the ship. So apparently there was like 300 that just straight up drowned on the ship, but 900 and some men went into the water and you know, the, in the, during the daytime, they would have their faces baked by the sun and, and get sunburns and sustain things like that. And then at night it was so cold. Uh, you know what I mean? They were just trying to stay warm. Um, and at the same time too, like there, you're, you're dying of hunger and thirst, right? And there's water around everywhere. We can't drink it because it's salt water. So they're saying some guys were drinking it and going crazy, attacking each other or themselves. And then, uh, and then they said, you know, it was almost the, 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 the catchphrase if it was a book or a movie or stories just, and then the sharks came and, they were just saying it was just like a fucking feeding frenzy. And it's my understanding that sharks uh, don't like the taste of human beings. That's my understanding is that they often just take a bite out and decide they don't like you. That's why a lot of people like will lose a limb, right? It's like, you know, how do your leg bit off by a shark? It's like, well, if it wanted you, it would have circled back and got you pretty fucking quick. It's that it's, it takes a bite, tries you, realizes it doesn't like you, and then, and then lets you go. But a lot of people that bite midsection, you're toast. Especially if it's a fucking great white, right? So, uh, and just a little a side note, I forgot to, I meant to say it at the end, but didn't, it was, a, it was a great white shark in the Jersey Shore shark attack. So when they did kill it, it turned out it was like a young great white. So did a lot of damage just being a young one. So, um, yeah, uh, interesting enough. So the USS, uh, Indianapolis, they, uh, they, they, apparently they sent out a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a uh, uh, SOS beacon, everything like that. They went into the water and, um, they said that, you know, nobody, nobody got the SOS. So they were just stuck in the water, basically frying, drown, uh, not well, drowning. Yes. But, but like frying, freezing, being eaten, uh, by sharks. They said that 900 men, 900 plus men went into the water and only 326 came out. Um, and then the, you know, the sharks, they say, they say the sharks got rid of the rest of them, but, uh, that's what Quint's story is, you know, and they, they went into the water, June 24th, 1925, 326 came out of the water, sharks got the rest of them. Farewell and adieu to your fair Spanish lady. Anyways, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the story he tells in Jaws about the USS Indianapolis, um, but that was obviously a, a story, you know, that was helping to inspire the, the story of Jaws. And then the final one was about a shark hunter, um, where, which is what Quince, Quince, uh, you know, character was based off of, um, I think his name is Robert Shaw was the actor, but yeah, that was the, the one that the, the character was based off of something Sundas or Sundar or something like that. Uh, just a guy who would, would lead people out and, you know, and find sharks. And he was the one who apparently would like, when he was chasing sharks, would fire, uh, uh, you know, a harpoon or whatever at them to track them and try to wear them down with, uh, with barrels. So that thing that Quint was doing was apparently inspired by this, this famous, you know, shark, shark hunter or whatever. So that's what was really cool about this behind the horror book is that you're getting like all these stories you know, the true stories of the people and the inspirations behind these horror movies. But, uh, exorcist was one that fucking freaked me out. So yeah, I'm, even though I'm, I'm, I've got two other guys now, it's just fucking freaky talking about the, uh, the, uh, exorcism of Roland Doe, which is not a real name, but Roland Doe is the, the pseudonym or whatever. Um, or alias, whatever of the guy, uh, not alias. I guess that's something aliases you're known by this is, well, he wasn't known by this, but it was just, uh, to protect them. Um, 
but yeah, and then you're reading all these different things that allegedly happened, this, that, and the other, and then it turns out that's like, yeah, well, looks like it was more like a hoax by a teen who was, you know, trying to get out of his school that he was in and, and didn't like the town he was in. So, you know, they moved his family to this town or whatever. Um, I read about the Lutzes uh, from the Amityville Horror, which, of course, at this point in time have, like, all been uh, debunked and, and things like that, unfortunately. Because um, I love the story of the Amityville Horror. and uh, But they've all but said, you know, they've, they've been all but all but been caught in lies and stuff. And I've pretty much admitted that all of the stories that they told were not true. Um, even like even such things as like the, the guy, you know, George Lutz said he saw like this pig, this demonic pig looking at him through the window with red eyes. When he ran out the front door, the thing was gone, but there was fresh hoof prints in the, in the snow that like led around the back of the house to that famous boat house that, you know, the door was always coming open on things like that. Um, but, you know, and then it's like historians are like, there was no snow on that day. Like in, you know, this and that. In fact, to the uh, the owner of, I believe it was 112 Ocean Avenue in Long Island, um, they were saying that uh, the, the person who bought it from the Lutzes after the fact um, had to like, had tried to sue them for shit because the person that they sat down and, and told all the stories to and wrote the book and did the movie or whatever, they're saying that, that because of the fame of the house, that family that bought the house got no privacy whatsoever. Um, people were at the house all the time. It can be giant tourist things, people on their property, people banging on their doors, all these different things. And, uh, and so they got nothing from it. And they were saying that they never had any instances of, of anything that was described, no, no issues whatsoever. And like I said, and then the Lutzes eventually were, you know, caught and, and debunked for, for saying that this is what happened and these, all these things. So creepy as fuck reading the stories. And then, and then they, they give you all the debunk shit at the end. I'm like, well, why the fuck? Tell me this first. So I'm not freaking the fuck out reading this stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, um, I read a bunch, but the last one I'm going to share with you is, uh, as I remember reading the one for Poltergeist, I don't remember as much about that, even though that one was in Long Island as well. Um, you know, the true story of that. And uh, the the Nightmare on Elm Street was another one that was written in. And it was like these, um, was it Laotians? I don't think Laotians. All right. Maybe, maybe it was Laotians. Yeah, I think it was Laotians. Um, they were in this like war zone and they had to, to flee their country and everything like that. And a bunch of them... Um, ended up moving to the States as refugees. And when they moved to the States, there was all these documented cases of them waking up like, or, or, or like having their spouses wake up in the middle of the night. And they were like finding their, their husbands dead, just dead in bed. Like, like they, they were having these like panic. It almost seemed like they were having these like night terrors and then just dead. Um, and everyone was kind of like, why is this happening to these guys? Like, like just, just, you know, they came from this war zone and it's like, is it PTSD? But it's like, but no, it's, it's not happening to them when they're awake. It's only happening to them. And it's happening to random guys. Not like, you know, they, the first night there, they died the first week. It's just like all these guys who are well underage shouldn't be dying in their sleep. We're just having this, like all these particular people. And they, they had a name for it. And I apologize. The book's still packed in the car because I'm going back to Kingston. Um, but it was this re weird sort of just like, it's basically just like they were more genetically predisposed to this, like, kind of like night heart attack stroke thing or whatever when they slept. And, and of course, because these guys were like, some of them were like, Oh shit, I don't want to go to sleep because this thing kills me in my sleep or whatever. Um, 
it would just there were documented cases of these guys being asleep. Well, Wes Craven um, was kind of, you know, fascinated by the theory of like, well, you know, these guys are dying in their sleep. And what if, what if, what if what they were seeing in their sleep was so terrifying that it actually, you know, killed them. And, uh, and then of course, you know, the, the thing of Freddy Krueger sort of started to come in. But, but the interesting thing was that, uh, when Russ Craven was a young boy, he used to get bullied by a scary figure. Uh, you know, like there was a bully scary and his name was Freddy. So that's, uh, I guess where the, the thing that there's, there's more to it, but, um, fascinating, fascinating shit. Love the book. Still not done reading it. There's a few more stories left, but, uh, yeah, the town that dreaded sundown was another one where this phantom killer was killing like couples in their car shit. Just, just cool. Read cool. Read, uh, freaky. Um, but yeah, I, I strongly recommend it. I know the Halloween season's over, but, uh, you know, if you just like horror shit and, and, you know, almost, almost like a true crime, but on a supernatural level, obviously I don't believe in the supernatural, um, still gives me the fucking, still gives me the wheelies there. Sure does. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the book. Um, all right. What else should we talk about? Let's talk about the old Mexican candy. Speaking of third world stuff and whatnot, uh, Angie sent me some candy. I want to say that I, in terms of the American stuff, just this evening after dinner, I tried a couple pieces of a Mounds bar and a Mounds bar guys is a bounty. Basically, if you're in uh, Canada and you're like, hmm, I've never had Mounds, but I've heard of it. It's basically just a bounty bar. So just, uh, you know, soft, soft, sweet coconut sort of mush. Um, and then dark chocolate around the outside and that's it. And that's, um, that's a Mounds bar. Um, delicious. Delicious. I like, I like looking, I used to love bounty, uh, and it's dark chocolate on the outside. Then I tried an almond joy, same font, same look almond joy guys. You take that, that, uh, little bit of coconut. Let's say it's a coconut stick or whatever, not stick coconut mush paste, you know, rectangle. And then before you put the chocolate on it, you lay two little almonds on top and then you cover it with chocolate. And this time it's milk chocolate, not dark chocolate still delicious. Nothing fancy. It really just tastes like a, a bounty. One of them was like a dark chocolate bounty. The other one's like a not dark chocolate bounty with nuts on like two, just two, not like crushed almonds or anything like that. I was like, Oh, I wonder what almonds going to be like. It is identical, but just has two almonds. Even the almonds are pointing in the same direction in terms of what is the tapered off end place. So delicious and not fancy, not complicated, not fucking bad. You feel me? I did those. I did, um, I had this thing that was like a mango pop. It says Vero mango. And then it's, uh, for all my Spanish speaking listeners, uh, Isabor mango picosito. I don't know what that means. Um, but it had like a tamarind. It was like that sort of tamarind spices on the outside you taste this thing it tastes like you just grabbed like six different spices out of the medicine cabinet poured them in a bag shook it up and stuck your tongue directly in it um was gross initially but i'm open-minded god damn it and trump ain't won a gun yet so i ain't gonna be racist with my candy yet um so i was just i was tasting i was like ugh. It was, I, I really can't even describe it guys. I really can't even describe it. I really can't. It's, it, I believe tamarind is the, the main thing, but it's like agus. Uh, there's no, in, there's no English in, ingredients on this. 
Um, but the word uh, antioxidante is on there. Um, Asosorbo cubierta con chile. Azucar, glucose, acido, citroco, chile. Sal yodada. What'd you say about my father? Anyways, um, weird, weird Mexican spice on the inside, but then it goes down to like just this nice mango candy underneath where like, and it's delicious, like a mango lollipop, but the shit on the outside is weird. So you're like, you got to just, it's like, it, honestly, it's almost like imagine a lollipop covered in salt where you're just like, ugh, like just the, the pure too much salt. It's like Mark's potatoes that I talked about a while back. I just know Mark listens. He'll get a kick of that. But the idea is just, it's just too much not sweet. Like you put a lollipop in your mouth and you're like, is this oregano? Like it's not even, oregano would have been a more palpable flavor. So it's weird as fuck. And then it gets pretty good, but you got to be like, you got to be willing to take like five minutes of what the fuck is this? You know, and without making a gross anal sex joke or something, it's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, man, it starts off pretty rough. And then eventually, all right, all right, I'm going to finish this camping trip with my uncle. Uh, <laughs> anyways, it was weird. I also had a uh, Mega Flechazos. Mega fle- Flechazos. Hot and salted tamarind flavored candy. So this is like a straw. And then it's almost got like, um, like, you know, those, those fruit sticks, bookmarks, whatever, like fruit snack. I don't even know what to fucking call them. Not like a fig Newton, but like those, just the, the fruit, the flat fruit, boring things that they send you to school with as a kid. It's like a, it's like a fruit bookmark in a plastic wrap and it's just, they got different flavors or whatever. Like, I don't even, fruit stations. And it's not even, that's not even it because fruit stations are like the snacks. Why can't I think of them? You know, anyways, I think some of you guys know, it's like someone took one of those fruit things and wrapped it around a straw and then gave it a bunch of weird sort of Mexican spices. Um, it does have some English on this package. Nutrition's facts, serving, serving size, amount per, yeah, I don't care about that. What's in it? Sodium is 235 milligrams. Total carbs are a lot protein, but I'd like ingredientes, por favor. Ingredients, Hawthorne, Hawthorne apple, quince. I love when the first two ingredients are something I've never fucking heard of. Uh, quince, sugar, sugar, corn syrup, chili, salt, citric acid, sodium, benzoate as preservative, artificial, artificial tamarind flavor. Fuck how expensive is tamarind artificial color F F D and C red number 40. Oh, we're back to the fucking pain aisle again. Malto drug, maltodextrin soy may contain xanthan gum and it definitely contains soy. Do not expose to sun or excessive humidity. What is it, fucking vampire candy? Um, so anyways, yeah. Um, that one was weird. It tasted like the chewy one that I had from before. I actually, like, it, it's, for me, I think we're, f- I like the taste of these salty things or whatever, but like one of them was like hard dusting on a candy. The other one's like loose powder, like Mexican pixie sticks. And the other one was kind of like, just like the bookmark by itself. This one's kind of like been like rolled around a straw. And Angie was telling me like a lot of people will like stick the straw in beer or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like flavoring the the beer as opposed to just eating it as is. But Angie told me with the straw, she's like, I just eat them as is. So I, uh, I tried that. I did not put it in beer. Cause last time I poured the Mexican pixie sting, the beer, my beer exploded everywhere. It was like putting, it was like putting Mentos in a Coke. 
So she's like, some people just pour this in their beer. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. Like I tried it on its own. I was like, that's nice. She's like, some people pour in their beer. And I was like, well, I'll give that a try. Authenticity, pour in beer, kaboom, all over the desk. And I was like, okay. Um, but I'm still enjoying tasting these things that I've never tried before. Um, thank God they're not available here. Cause uh, you know, I would hate for these stores to have to close down that sell them. Um, what else? Oh, and I got, I had these De La Rosa candies. So the, the really cool one, my favorite thing that she sent me in terms of visually was this bag of De La Rosa piñata candy. Um, because basically the little bag looked like a piñata, which is nice. Like, like looks like as in the print on the bag looks like it's a piñata. It's not actually fr- frilly paper or whatever. But the idea of this candy is you would buy it, the bag with all this mixed candy and it cut the top and then just dump it into a piñata. I was like, that's so cool. And there was like marshmallows in it. There was some chocolate stuff. There was, uh, some of these like tamarind flavored candies or whatever. Ay, 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 senor. He's a picante. Um, but I remember just like, okay, I opened it up and some of the stuff was like, like there was some like chocolate covered marshmallows on a stick. When I opened them, the, the chocolate was kind of like dry. The marshmallow, you had to like, I've never had to cut through a marshmallow with my teeth. It's usually so soft that it like pulls apart. This was like grinding my teeth to try to separate this marshmallow from itself. You know how it is guys when you have to bite through water, right? Um, so I had those and I was like, oh, okay, not, not so good. And then there was like this bag of marshmallows. I was like, oh, these look cute. And the marshmallows were like fucking hard. <laughs> like, I was like, okay. Um, and not like crunchy marshmallows, like, like lucky charms. You're like, well, the marshmallows are hard, but like they're soft. You know what I mean? It's like, nope, these things are like weird. Um, so I don't know if maybe I just got like an older bag of them or something like that, or if it just comes like that way, but there was, it was neat. And I, I gotta say that, like, I wish we had bags of shit like that here in Canada, <laughs> bags of shit, I wish you had fucking sacks of crap. Like, no, I mean like bags of stuff like that. Um, you know what I mean? Cause we do, we have like variety stuff, but every time you get variety, it's always a variety of the same type of thing. Like. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here's like a pectin chew bag variety where it's like, oh, these are different kinds of Skittles and Starburst or whatever. It's all the same, you know, type of candy, right? Here, have a bag of like gummy stuff. And it's like all gummies. Like this thing had like a gummy key in it that was fossilized. Um, I think, uh, (laughs) but I just like, there was like, there was gummies, there was chocolate, there was marshmallows, there was hard candies, there was soft candies. There was like tamarind sort of like chewy stuff. Um, what else did they have? Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that stood out. Uh, there was Mar- uh, marzipan, like little, little marzipan, uh, pucks, which was super cool. What do they call it? Peanut candy. So it was like, there was, what I really liked about that was the variety and the fact it was like, kind of like different shit. So it wasn't like, Hey, have a variety pack, but it's all the same kind of things. All just, just chocolates or all just gummies or all just hard candies. It was, it was a mix of all that different stuff. Uh, so despite the fact that I didn't love it. And like I said, I think I might've just had like by accident. Cause An- Angie went to a nice store to, to pick them up for me. And sometimes stores, you know, have shit in there for a while. You know what I mean? And you couldn't see it through the bag. So like, it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, I didn't see any expiry date on the bag or anything like that. So it's not like you could have told, like you could look at it and tell that, you know, maybe it'd been there for a while, but maybe it didn't. Maybe that's just what third world. <laughs> maybe that's just what candy comes. Like. And I was also like, some of this candy tastes so fucking bad. Like some of the really spicy, salty, like here, have this candy. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the main, if you were to pick one adjective to describe candy, the word sweet would come to mind. 
right? And then if you were to describe savory, it would be salt. So when it says Mexican candy on it and you open it up and it tastes like salt and pepper and tamarind, do you like the candy? No. I always wondered how like these countries were able to like rear boy soldiers you know what I mean? Like you see this, this, these things where there's like little eight year olds with machine guns and fucking anger in their face. And you're like, how did such, how did a sweet child become such a little rage filled hellhound? And then I'm like, and then I tried these candies and I was like, you know what? If I grew up on these disappointment candies, not all of them, but some of them, if I grew up on these, these just, you know, ah, I don't know how to say happy birthday in Spanish, you know, Feliz Navidad. That's, that's Merry Christmas. I think. Ah, bueno, bueno feta. You know, hey, happy birthday, Miguel. How about that? Hey, andale, andale. You know, venga, venga. And then, you know, he breaks this, this piñata open. Ah, bueno. Eats it. I'm going to fucking kill you, cockroach. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I could see how, if you're growing up on, on these little hell candies, I'm like, I could see how, you know, you'd become a twisted little, you know, angel of death. Just saying it doesn't make, it's, it makes a little bit of sense to me. That's all. I can see how, I can see how you could radicalize, radicalize a little child like that. <laughs> um, but that's all just kidding aside. I'm, I'm really, I'm really loving the stuff she said. It is very unique. It is unlike anything that we have here. Um, you know, I, I enjoy these loose definition of candy candies. Um, I really do. I really do. And I'm, I'm trying to make it funny, but, uh, you know, I know Angie listens, Angie, thank you so much for sending these. I am still having fun despite the fact that every single one of them could cost me my life. And they all sound like they were made of the paint. I love Home Depot. Um, okay. A couple little things, guys. Internet went out of the house. Huh? How about that? The internet went out. Uh, our tower died. So I was like, I was like more than 24 hours since I've been back from Kingston wandering in the house going like. What's real? It's so funny too. Cause like when the internet doesn't work, I, I, there was a couple times where I was tired and bored and unable to even remember what was real. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, what I mean is like, I remember like, you know, thinking like, Oh, can I turn on the TV? Oh no, fuck the internet's not working. And I'm like, no, that's not related. You can still turn on your television. I just can't connect to any of my streaming services. So I was lucky. My buddy, my buddy Peter got me some, uh, you know, a while back, a, a flash drive with the impractical jokers, a couple of seasons of that on there. So I was, I was going to sleep to that while the internet wasn't working, but it was so funny. I actually was chatting with Simon about some old horror stuff because he was going over to my buddy, Nick Perron's house to, uh, to watch some horror movies the other night. And we got to chatting about some old, uh, good horror movies that we liked. Uh, I started talking to, uh, to him about the tales from the dark side movie with Matthew Lawrence and, uh, Remar, James Remar, I think is his name played Dexter's dad, uh, on the series, Dexter, um, bunch of other things, but he was in it. And then Christian Slater and Julianne Moore were, were in one of the segments, but I liked, it was one of those horror movies where it's like, it's feature length, but what it is, is it's like a few different stories within the movie, kind of like the way creep show was, or, you know, I don't want to say tales from the crypt movies. Cause those tales from the crypt movies were single stories the whole time, but the, um, the tales from the crypt show super great. And then I was like, well, you know what? I haven't seen that in forever. I'd love to watch the old tales from the crypt show. Um, the, the HBO one and Simon and I were chatting about it. He hadn't really seen much of it. He'd seen a few of them, but I was like, oh man, tales from the crypt. So fucking good. And I, uh, I ended up calling Nick who Simon was going to go see and saying, Hey man, do you by any chance have 
the Tales from the Crypt seasons. I used to have them on DVD, but I never got a chance to watch them before I sold my DVD collection. He's like, yeah, I think I have all seven seasons. And so when Nick came to get Simon, he dropped me off all seven seasons of Tales from the Crypt. And I've already watched the first season, which was only six episodes long, but it was good. It, uh, it had one of, um, I only remember one of the episodes. One of them I remember vaguely. In fact, I, I remember it vaguely and I didn't, didn't love it. So I haven't watched it yet. That's the only, it's the only one I skipped and I'll probably watch after this podcast when I go to bed tonight, but there was, um, there was the executioner, um, where he's, uh, you know, he's so, okay. If you don't know anything about the tales from the crypt and a lot of people, I ask them if they've seen tales from the crypt and like, Oh yeah, it was one of my favorite cartoons. I am not talking about the cartoon. I am talking about the HBO series that was live action. That was late at night on like Fridays or whatever. And it was such a good show. Uh, executive producers, Robert Zemeckis, who's responsible for Forrest Gump, back to the future, who framed Roger rabbit, what lies beneath a uh, bunch of great shit. Welcome to Marwin more recently. Um, so, you know, uh, Bob Gale, uh, Joel silver, like a lot of big names and stuff. Danny Elfman did the, the music for the show. If you don't know who Danny Elfman is, Danny Elfman is the guy who did the Simpsons main theme. He did a lot of stuff for Tim Burton. Danny Elfman is the voice of Jack Skellington in the nightmare before Christmas. Um, he also did more recently, the Spider-Man movie soundtrack. Uh, he did one of the Avengers movies, even Alan, even Alan Silvestri did the music for some of the shows, episodes of tales from the crypt. And Alan Silvestri also did the super well-known Avengers theme. Um, so like, it's like, it was, it was a very high budget show and very well done. And every episode had like two or three prominent celebrities, um, in the cast. So it was really cool because every week you didn't know what celebrity was going to be on it. There's one with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Leah Thompson, uh, was that, that's the episode I was talking about that I skipped. Uh, I'll go back and watch that this evening, but Leah Thompson who played Marty McFly's mother. Oh, what do you know? The guy who directed back to the future and directed this show also put someone he worked with in the show. Like it's not hard to see where these people come from, but anyways, a great, great series. The first episode has William Sadler in it. William Sadler played, um, death in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And of course the most recent one, uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Um, but he's been, he's a big character actor for years. In fact, when tales from the crypt did their first feature length film, tales from the crypt demon Knight, he played the, one of the main characters in that. Um, but yeah, he plays an executioner who, you know, gives people the chair and then all of a sudden they, they cancel the death penalty or they, they stop the death penalty in uh, the state that he's in. And then he starts doing it freelance on his own, just murdering people that, that he feels necessary. And then of course uh, they catch him and what do you know, they've reinstated the death penalty. And who do you think is the first one to get it? Um, there's another one where there's like this, this woman who kills her husband. And uh, you know, at the same night, there's a, a lunatic who's escaped Um a mental hospital and he's dressed like Santa Claus and he's coming through then the neighborhood's killing people. So this woman's trying to like dispose of her husband's body and this serial killer shows up and now she's trying to get into the house and you know, uh, she's trying to get, she's trying to get her husband thrown down the well and you know, she gets back in the house and she's being terrorized. Basically it's this, she can't call the cops because she's killed her husband. So she can't have the cops coming, but she's got to get the serial killer out or whatever. And in true, in true tales from the crypt fashion, uh, her daughter's sleeping upstairs and, uh, you know, waiting for Santa to come or whatever. And the woman finally thinks that she's, you know, saved her daughter. The guy's, oh, my daughter's, oh, thank God he didn't get her or whatever. And then she hears mommy and she goes downstairs and mommy's like, I told you Santa would come. He didn't even have to come down the chimney. Cause look, I let him in. And, uh, 
you know, and it's just kind of like there, there's this cool thing about the, the old tales from the crypt series was that in every episode, it would be different things. Sometimes it was supernatural. Sometimes it was killer. Sometimes it was just like odd, kind of like outer limits, uh, twilight zone, that kind of shit. Except those shows never tended to, to work with like, you know, demons and monsters. It was more like, like killers and oddities and stuff like that. I, I found, but, uh, with the tales from the crypt series, I, uh, you always knew whatever was going on, whatever the piece of shit was in the show, you know, like whoever the bad guy was, he was going to get his at the end. Nobody, nobody ever wronged somebody in Tales from the Crypt and got away with it. If that makes sense. At least I can't tell. So I've got seven seasons of it and I've watched the first season, six episodes. There's another one with Joe Pantaleone, who was a main character in the Sopranos and in bad boys. He plays the He's in tons of shit. He was the bald guy who fucks everybody over in the matrix. Like that dude's dude's had a career. He's been in tons of shit. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, cool, cool show. I'm, I'm super excited to, to watch more of it. A funny thing, a funny story. I remember, and I don't think I told you guys about it. This was the one I was, I wasn't hundred percent sure if I've told you before, but if I did, sorry, if I, and if you haven't heard it, then, then I think, I think this is so fucking funny to me. So Nick is a big horror guy. He's got shitloads of t-shirts, horror t-shirts and horror movies. He used to write horror, uh, like horror articles for like a fandom page. Um, he's got all the, the, the collectibles and shit like that. Nick's a big horror guy. And at one point Nick started a, a podcast that was like a horror side cart. So the idea with, with his podcast was you would, he would tell you what movie it was and you would go out and get the movie and you would watch the movie while listening to his podcast, which was commentary. So we, we, you know, he'd be watching the, the, the same movie and doing his podcast, right. Talking about it and everything like that. And you would listen to it as almost like a side commentary track to the movie. And I remember Nick asked me one time if I wanted to do his podcast, I was like, absolutely. And he's like, well, what do you want to see? And I'm like, uh, well, what do you, what he, he said, I got like three movies we can do. We can do this one, this one, or we can do, he goes, we can do Texas chainsaw 3d, but I don't have a 3d TV. And I was like, well, I do, I have a 3d TV. So why don't we watch that one? Right. And we'll make use of the 3d TV and we'll, we'll do that one. He's like, great. So we, we decided to go out for dinner or we went out for a couple of drinks. Simon, uh, my roommate came with us. So we went out for a few drinks and then we decided, Hey, let's go get a case of beer and go back to watch the movie. But I think we were like five or six beers each deep before we started this thing. And this was back in the day when I was like doing Uber in the morning and doing Domino's at night. And I think this might've been like one of my evenings off. So, you know, sometimes the, the, the fucking long days were catch up with me. So the funny thing to me was like, we're like, we set up the, 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 the movie we set up the podcast. We started, I think I was awake. <laughs> I think that I was awake for like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie, not long. And then I just straight up passed out on the couch. I have two, I had two couches, large one and a small one, love seat and a bit full, full couch. I passed out in the love seat and the way it was positioned was like, you had to stretch out. Oh, so comfortable. You stretch out on this thing and you're pointed towards the TV so you can watch. So just watch that. And then I just fell asleep, you know, 3d glasses on everything, fall asleep. And I believe this was pre apnea, like pre apnea diagnosis. So I was still like, I still snore when I don't have my machine, but it's just like snoring like a motherfucker. And I'm watching the movie and I'm not invested in any of the characters or anything like that. Just nothing is interesting about this. And I just passed out. 
And Simon and Nick were drunk. Simon was yelling obscenities and racisms. Like he was just drunk. Simon has no sense of, of showmanship or anything. So the idea is Simon's like, oh, I'm being recorded for a podcast. And he's just trying to be funny. And he's just going outlandish and everything like that. So it was just, it was just obnoxious. So I, I, I didn't have anything to stay awake for. And so I wasn't like, okay, time to turn. I just, the funny thing to me is I just remember starting to watch the movie and then I fell asleep. Okay. Not deliberately. And, and apparently snoring like crazy. Then I wake up in the middle of the movie and I see, I think it was three of the four main characters within the span of 60 seconds all get murdered. Right. So like I fell asleep for like 40 minutes, missed nothing. All of the people get murdered within the span of 60 seconds. Right. So if you're trying to build tension or whatever, like usually it's like, you know, kill one of the main characters and then give a few minutes and then have the next one kind of, you don't just kill everybody at once. Cause there's all of your you know, stakes raised all in one quick little thing. Like you kind of want to, to bring it up, unless it's the end of the movie, which it wasn't, it was far from the end of the movie. So I just wake up and I go, I miss anything. And they're like, not really. And then, and then it's like, oh, this guy's dead. And then, oh my God. Oh, and this guy's dead. And then, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my, and this girl's dead. And I was like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. And then I rolled over and went back to sleep, back to snoring. So the funniest thing to me I was like, and after the movie was over, I was just like, hey guys, you know, thanks for coming. This night. They, they woke me up. I was like, oh, sorry about that. And I'm just so tired. You're groggy at that moment. You're not really putting everything together. But then, you know, like the next day I was, I was just dying laughing because I'm like, imagine like, imagine saying, hey man, you want to be on my podcast? Would you like to be a guest? It's like, sure, sure. So like, and then to listen to that podcast where it's like, Hey gang, this week we're going to be watching Texas uh, Chainsaw 3D. My guest this week is a comedian and friend, Josh Williams, who's done this, this, and that. Now this is before my podcast. And he's just like, he's done this. He's done that. It's this, it's that there's the, you know, like, and uh, we're gonna watch this episode. And then, and then basically you're listening to this podcast, which is me awake for 10 minutes, not really saying much. And then snoring loud audible snoring while Simon and Nick say, God knows what <laughs> that's so fucking funny to me. Cause apparently he's pulled all the episodes down. Like when he can't, when he stopped in the podcast, he like, he, he didn't keep paying to keep them up there or whatever. But I just think it's so funny that there's a podcast out there where it's like, I'm the guest and then just snoring my guest this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're a guest on someone's show. what, what late night talk show or interview or whatever. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a five minute podcast. It's the fucking, it's feature length. So the idea that I'm, I'm the guest, you know, of the week or whatever. And I'm just snoring through this fucking thing. The, the concept of having any guest on anything and then they just sleep through their guest spot. It's fucking hysterical. But the idea that I, I'm awake for 10 minutes, fall asleep, snoring, 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 wake up. For like 60 seconds. So basically the listener just hears the snoring stop, you know, taking it. What is did I miss anything? Uh, watch, watch, watch. And of course they're watching at the same time. So they see all the thing. This is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. Then <laughs> back to sleep for <laughs> sleep. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I, I find that unbelievably hysterical. Just, just. It's so funny. And I want to hear it so bad. I got to get a hold of it. Cause I really hope you have them on a hard drive somewhere. I would love to just hear that episode. Just put it on the background while playing video games or something. And just, just for how, like how long straight. Cause there's a listener who wasn't expecting that. I hope it, like if he did an interesting, like, unfortunately my guest this week fell asleep. 
<laughs> Just barely a part of the podcast. I had him on. We got 10 minutes with him, and then he checked out. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's funny to me. But it didn't remind me until I was thinking horror movies and Nick when I was talking the other night. I just, oh, fuck, that was so funny to me. So funny. It's like, it's one of those things that you just, you couldn't, you couldn't write. You couldn't come, you couldn't make it up. Just went out. We had too many drinks. I were like, all right, let's record this thing. Basically me with every podcast here as you know, it's like, it gets later and later in the evening and I just get tired. I'm like, I'll just do it later. And yeah, we'll get the energy up. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna be talking about fun stuff. Just so fucking fun. So funny. I had so much fucking fun doing that. I wish all work was that easy. Just go to sleep, you know? Uh, and finally, Mandalorian. Started the Mandalorian. My buddy uh, Ernie Vicente gave me access to his Disney Plus. Got to uh, got to watch uh, just a couple episodes of Mandalorian, but I, I liked it. Holy fuck, it, was it ever good? Uh, I don't give a fuck about Star Wars, but if they had been doing the other movies as good as they did the Mandalorian, I think I would be in for the Star Wars movie. So thoroughly like that. I'm, I'm, again, I will tell you guys more later as I see the podcast uh, clicks on and is getting on and on and on there. So I feel like... Um, Let's get, uh, holy shit, it's getting goddamn late, motherfuckers. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you more about The Mandalorian as I finish it, but uh, but I liked it, and uh, I watched a couple episodes with my mom when I came back, and she liked it. So, yeah, great great thing. I know the second season just came out, so I'm looking forward to being on board with uh, everybody else as that series uh, clicks along. So, uh, two books from DK this week that I reviewed whilst in Kingston. Uh, I read them. Um DK book number one, modern flexitarian, which is plant inspired recipes. You can flex to add fish, meat, or dairy. So that one, I like the idea of, because I mean, I, I keep saying I do want to go vegetarian and I will guys, I'm not worried about it. I'm not like, Oh, I'm trying and I'm failing. I'm not trying right now. Um, I told you guys about my idea. I wanted to try a bunch of different meat, meat dishes and stuff like that from around North America before I say farewell to it. And, uh, before, you know, until I get a chance to do that, I'm, I'm not going to be doing it, but it's okay to flex into it where I can do sort of good meals that have got a little bit of chicken, fish, or dairy. Um, so this book here, Modern Flexitarian, it's got like, as always, DK section, so many great shit. It has like a section on what is flex, uh, sorry, what is flexitarian and what is and is not included, right? So like not everything is flexitarian. Like you don't have a lot of beef and, and stuff like that. And it. it's more about the chicken and fish and dairy. Um, but then there's all these sections on like why go flexitarian. Like it tells you all the different health benefits and things like that. The different environmental benefits, personal cost benefits to doing it. And even like what animal welfare benefits to, to going, you know, flexitarian and plant-based, which was really cool. Um, it also talks about the balanced flexitarian diet, right? So like the kind of like the sometimes foods, Whereas like you can still eat this, but you still don't want to eat as much of that and, and try not to like, you know, if you're having meat with every meal, well, you're not really flexitarian, you're just omnivore. So the idea of kind of like going back and forth and which, which are the ones that should be the sometimes and which ones not so much, it's it go, it has a big section about the macronutrients and teaching you about the different things in foods and vitamins and minerals and stuff like that, which was kind of cool. Um, they also talk about, uh, simple swaps for like dairy, butter, cheese, honey, eggs, and meat substitutes. So basically like, you know, making like nut milks and nut butters and nut cheeses and things like that, alternatives to honey and alternative to eggs. It's pretty cool. It's actually really cool. Um, they talk about the flexitarian pantry. So the things that you would want to have in your pantry when going flexitarian, uh, sections on meal planning. They talk about different kinds of stocks that you can make, like not inventory, but, um, 
not inventory or stock trading, um, but just the, you know, chicken stocks and, and things like that, bone stocks and stuff like that. Um, they have a section on like nut products. So how to make like milk, nut milk, nut butter, nut cheese, as I was saying before. Um, sections on like making like vegan mayonnaise and whatnot. It was cool because they had, this was a cool because they basically tell you all the different um, kinds of meals. Like, so they do like breakfast. I just picked one from each section to talk about. So they had this like spiced apple and mung bean muffins. I'd never heard of a mung bean before, but I was looking at it. Um, and I was like, Oh, these, these actually look kind of good. And again, what was cool because every single recipe, it would either be like a vegan recipe. And then every single one of them, every single recipe in the book, it would be like, here's the thing. And then you can, and then there would be like, if it already had eggs or something in it, there'd be a section at the bottom that would say, make it vegan. And then it would tell you the substitutes for that in order to make it vegan. Or if it was already vegan, it would be like, make it with fish or make it with chicken. And it would have that flex option in it. Right. So the base recipe was flexitarian. Then it'd be like, here's how you make it vegan. And it's like, instead of egg, substitute a banana for the muffins or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Like, so it was really cool to have both options in one book, as opposed to it being like a vegan cookbook or an omnivore, you know, an omnivore cookbooks are used by vegans, but then they're just kind of like, well, everything that's an egg, I have to kind of do this or whatever it is. So it's, it was really cool to have that flex right in it basically. So it's good for everybody kind of right out of the gate. Um, with the snacks, dips and light bites, I looked at the sp- uh, spicy carrot hummus, which was kind of cool. Um, for the burgers, tacos, and wraps, I found these mung bean burgers with red curry aioli, which looked really cool. Um, I just, ever, I eventually I started to see like the mung bean coming up all the time. So I just was like, I'm just going to do mung bean ones every time for salads. It was like a mung bean gado gado, which looked kind of funny. Um, the soups and stews, there was this really nice looking tomato miso ramen, um, that I thought was kind of cool. Um, I've, I've said that about everything, but it's just like, it was like, they look tasty. Basically I was hungry when I was writing these reviews. I'm like, this looks really cool. Um, curries and stir fries. They actually had a chickpea tiki masala, um, in lettuce cups, which was nice. It was just basically like lettuce cups and then just blobs of, you know, uh, chickpea uh, tiki masala. So it was really cool. Then desserts. Um, this one was nice. They had uh, poached pears and red wine and that one looked really, really nice. So, um, it, a cool book guys. If you're, if you're like me and you're like, ah, you know, I want to get there, but I'm not like jumping in with both feet at the moment. Something like this flexitarian is, is kind of the idea is like, we're going to go that way, but just overall. And I like, I like Pete, uh, Pete Holmes comic. He talked about how like he's vegan, but every now and again, he will have a Shake Shack burger or something like that. Like it's very rare. It's not like, you know, once a week or whatever, but the idea is he's like, yeah, like every now and again, yeah. Like I'll, I'll have a few beers. I get a little drunk and then yeah, like I'll, I'll fucking fall off and have a burger but it's because I had one burger. Does not mean I'm like, I'm not vegan? Like some people, it means yes, absolutely. You're not. But like if you spend 99% of the time vegan, you know, and then you fuck, you know, you, you fuck up and have a burger every now and again. It's like, that's, that's life. You fall down, pick yourself up. You know, so I like the idea of the flexitarian thing because the whole idea is if you're just like, I just, I gotta have chicken or whatever it is, then flex and do it, you know, um, be, be reasonable, be flexible is basically what it is. Not, not a fucking, not a flex, not a vegan, vegan flex. Like I never eat meat flex, flex. I like that whole, like that whole concept of flex. I don't like a lot of, a lot of the young people are saying these days, but like people are like weird flex, bro. I kind of like that shit where it's like flexing, meaning, you know, bragging or, or whatever. So flexitarian gang flexitarian uh modern flexitarian story is the name of the book plant inspired recipes that you can flex to add fish meat or dairy and then the other one is the artisan kitchen this one was interesting too because it had all sorts of goofy goofy shit in it 
Um, basically it's like, you know, if you were being like an old, like a, well, an artisan cook and doing a lot of mason jar stuff and preserves and, you know, DIY and just real, like real old school cooking shit, you know, um, it was nice. It was nice. And breads and stuff like that. Like this thing has it. So the first thing this book had in it was kitchen basics. So they're talking about like hygiene and cleaning and sterilizing and labeling and things like that for all of your stuff. They talked about the tools and equipment. So like the different kinds of like machinery in terms of like, you know, they know they have like pasta rollers and shit like that, but like those kind of like, like little machines for the kitchen and knives. They even talked about knife sharpening, right. And the different ways you can sharpen knives, like with steel or wet stones or electric sharpeners. Um, they talk about different prep tools and then they have a big section on ingredients talking about the difference between like seasonal ingredients and how to actually forage for some of your own ingredients. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm not trying to become the fucking town baker, whatever. There's all these pictures of him in like scuba gear, you know, and it's like foraging. I'm like, is this motherfucker going to the bottom of like the lake ripping out like these odd weeds. It's like, this is a, a mingle gingle weed. You know, if you squeeze this between two of these types of rocks, you'll get a single teardrop of oil. That oil is super flavorful. You dip your bread in that. It's like, what? This is not what it said, but it's just like, I was like, what the fuck is he scuba? Why does he say foraging? And why is he in a scuba suit in a lake? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't even like a lake. It was like a pond. So I'm like, what the fuck is this picture supposed to be about? Anyways, um, talk about preserves. Um, right. So like doing preserves and things like that, there was a section on drinks. So like they did like, you know, he had fermented soft drinks, right. And the different kinds of like fermentation. So like bacterial fermentation or living cultures talk about kombucha, obviously every fucking hippie in the world, kombucha, man, I like vomit vinegar tea. Um, then they talk about like ethanol fermentation uh, for the dairy section, uh, they had like yogurt and kefir and then like different kinds of cultures for that. Um, in the bread section, they talk about, you know, doing sourdough, like the starter, some people call it monster dough or whatever. Right. Like, so how to make that in the starter and add, add, uh, you know, add and remove and all this other shit to keep it living. Um, talk about potting, which I didn't know what that was. And from what I understood, potting was like preserving under a layer of fat. So you put something in a jar and then you pour a layer of fat on the top and I guess the fat, like, I guess solidifies and protects it and preserves it that way. Um, then there's curing, right? So they had to do like salting, salt curing. They talk about a cure for everything and all the different kinds of curing for each and every thing. They talk about wet curing. So doing like saline solutions, right? Like salt water and stuff like that, how to do brining. Uh, then there was a section on smoking and they talked about like cold smoking and how to make a cold smoker. So not just like, Hey, do some cold smoking. They're like legitimately teaching you how to make your own cold smoker. I was like, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and they talk about no, no smoke without fire. And then the different aromas that you'll get from fire. Then they talked about hot smoking, right? So the indirect cooking, uh, and then how to set up a hot smoker. I was like, again, so like when they did that, then the whole section on outdoor cooking. So like campfire cooking, Right. So they had like campfires and, and different things like that, how to cook on that. And then it said, make, make a fire for cooking. So they're teaching you actually how to, how to make the fire itself properly. Instead of just being like, yeah, you just make, you start your fire. And then it's like, well, how do I start a fire? Well, guess what? They tell you how to make a fire in this one. Then they talked about dirty cooking, which I thought was interesting because it was basically where you put your food directly on the embers. Right. So if you have like a, like a log, that's just charcoal, well, not charcoal, but like embering, like lay your food on that. And they said that they said something about how like. Once you do that, you'll never go back because just the level of flavor is so, so crazy. Um, they talked about grilling. They talked about pots and cans cooking on fires. 
like the grilling on fires, right? Pots and cans, spit roasting, that kind of thing. And how it, you know, you got to keep it turning. I remember we did something for, for spits. Like I remember we went to Mika's cottage one year and, uh, his dad and, uh, Ryan, a friend of the family had, uh, well, he's Mika's brother-in-law now at the time. He's just, you know, just dating his sister. Anyways, Ryan was Ryan and, and, and Leo, Mika's dad were like, they got this pig pigs was hollowed out and they were just putting all these different like apples and things inside the pig's belly. And, and then they were like stitching the pig up basically like stick up sticking these, like all these wooden pegs through the, the pig's belly and then wrapping twine around. It. And then we stuck it on the, the spit. And then, and then we we're just turning, we were all taking turns, like just turning this pig to keep it moving and just, just keep turning this fucking thing. Um, but it was delicious. Like the, the pork that we had was, was absolutely delicious. Um, but it was just, yeah, like that whole, like, just keep it turning. I just remember that we were at a party and some guys were being idiots and pretending to like jerk off with their beers and then like throw it on the pig. It was stupid. There are, there doesn't matter how old some men get. Like, I think I'm an idiot, but I'm still not like throwing, uh, whatever. It was nice. It was a nice story. And then I remembered somebody doing something stupid, whatever. Then they talk about wood fired ovens, right? So th- the, the thermodynamics and things like that, about how like wood fired ovens work. And then, uh, they even teach you at the end how to make a clay oven for things like that too. So if you want to do some like serious outdoor cooking in Canada, not really likely for us to be able to do that kind of shit. So, uh, there you have it guys. That is the artisan kitchen. The tagline from that being the science practice and possibilities. So two books on food and different types of food, right? Artisanal and flexitarian, um, Great books by my partners at DK, DK.com in the States. Add a slash CA to the end of that for Canada or just Google DK books. Dorling Kindersley, my partners. Um, I love their stuff. Guys, thanks for tuning in. This episode was a lot longer than I thought it would be, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed me running my mouth and some of the stories I told. Um, looking forward to seeing what the fuck is going on right now uh, down south of the border to see what they're up to. Um, we'll find out sometime, you know, I guess you guys will find out today or depending on when you're listening to this, I'll find out tomorrow, but, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast gang. Remember contact at one man Um, would love to get some emails. I don't care what they're about. Tell me what you thought of the election. Tell me what you thought of the Did you watch Tales from the Crypt? If you did, what was your favorite episode? What was your favorite thing about it? What was your favorite scary movie? Um, did you watch any horror movies over the Halloween, uh, weekend? Happy Halloween to you. I hope you had a good time. I'd love to know what you did for Halloween. Um, but just, just want to get some, some back and forth flowing here, guys. Contact the one man podcast.com. If you don't want me to read your name on the podcast, just put it in the email. Just say, Hey, please don't send me a name, but I want to share the story or whatever it is. I'm cool with that. I got so many us listeners downloading. Now I would love to meet some of you guys. If I have a listener, just be like, Hey, my name is so-and-so love listening. Appreciate that. Whatever it is. And I, and I, I like, I would appreciate is what I'm trying to say uh, that, that email, the introduction. I got listeners in Australia and Russia and India guys. Say hello, contact the one man podcast.com would love to meet you. would love to know what's going on your side of the world. Um, anyways, until then, uh, I, uh, I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you soon.